0: Rules and restrictions may apply.
1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify.
0: This episode of Smart People Podcast is supported by Sidekick by HubSpot. With Sidekick, you can get powerful contact insight right in your inbox. Sidekick seamlessly integrates with your email so you can receive live notifications when someone opens and clicks on your emails and schedule emails to be sent when you're offline. Go to GetSidekick.com smartpeople to get your first month of Sidekick for free
1: Hello and welcome to Smart People Podcast, conversations that satisfy your curious mind. I'm Chris Stemp. Thanks for joining us again as we have a fantastic episode for you. We are interviewing Andrew Sinkoff, who is the co-founder and vice president of marketing for Evernote, one of the most popular productivity tech companies in the world. Their tools, their app, is now being used by over 50 million people. If you don't know what it is, I'm a little worried for you, but you need to go download it. In case you don't know what Evernote is, the tagline for Evernote is remember everything. I like to think of it as the external hard drive for my brain. So really anything you find online, any content, web content, emails, pictures, lists, notes, you can keep it there and then find it across any of your devices quickly, easily. It's really a great platform for anyone who is trying to make things happen today and can't fit all the information in their brain. So in this episode, as we talk to Andrew, we cover everything from what it's like to, to go from a small company with a big idea to a huge company being used by, like I said, over 50 million people, truly changing lives and the way people work. We talk about the problems that occur in most startups what has to go right what can go wrong we talk about productivity you know what can we do with all this information coming at us how can we use tools like Evernote to be more productive to get more things done and to really accomplish what we're here for I want to tell you my two favorite Evernote tools so if you choose to download Evernote my first favorite thing and I discussed this in the episode is the web clipper So if you go to smartpeoplepodcast.com, go to this post, there is a link to an article on how to get and use the Web Clipper. I mean, screenshots, it's amazing. It's really not hard. You can actually just go Google Web Clipper and add it in. Essentially, it's, it's a browser extension to bookmark and save full web pages directly to your Evernote. So for me, I found myself leaving like 50 tabs open on my browser of blog posts I wanted to read, videos I wanted to watch, and I never did, and then my computer got all clogged up. So now with Web Clipper, I just clip them into Evernote, and then when I have time, then I go watch them or read them. And to be honest, a lot of them I don't watch or read, which means I didn't need them in the first place. Big productivity key. Another thing that I love that Evernote does is it assigns you an Evernote email. So say somebody sends you an email, something really interesting or valuable that you want to have for the future. What do a lot of us do? We go and we mark as unread, thinking we'll get back to that. But if you're using Evernote, you can just forward the email to your Evernote email address, and now it's there, stored. It's out of sight, but when you want it, you're in Evernote, boom, easy to find, easy to search. Let us know how you use Evernote. Go ahead and tweet at smartpeoplepod, and let us know what you think. I know I like to keep these intros as short as possible, but for an episode, this amazing there's another thing we want to do we're starting this trend of giveaways and this week we're going to be giving away three one-year premium subscriptions to evernote so maybe you use it but you're using the free version maybe you don't use it but you're a business entrepreneur you want to and the premium has the things you need to use we're going to be giving it away here's the kicker to have a chance to win you have to sign up for our newsletter And then we are going to send out the quick instructions on how to enter on there. Signing up for our newsletter is very easy. Just go to smartpeoplepodcast.com. In the bottom right-hand corner, you see a box that allows you to sign up for the newsletter. This episode is going out on Monday, July 27th. And on Friday, July 31st, we're going to send out a newsletter that lets you know how to very simply, I mean, 10 seconds, enter this contest. And usually with these contests, we, we don't have a ton of entrants, anywhere from 20 to 100. So if we're giving away three, the odds are pretty good. So if you want to do it, smartpeoplepodcast.com, sign up for the newsletter, and then follow the instructions that you get on Friday. All right, guys. Thanks so much for sticking with it here. We are going to turn it over to the co-founder and vice president of marketing of Evernote, Andrew Sinkoff. Andrew, thank you so much for being on the show. As I was just explaining previously, uh, I'm excited to talk to you as an avid Evernote user. Um, Really, this is just a selfish interview where I want to learn how to be more productive, to be honest.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me.
1: For those who have been living under a rock for the past few years, I explained in our intro what Evernote is. So I won't force you to give that pitch, but... As the VP of Marketing and co-founder, I was hoping you could give us a little insight on what a typical day is like for you. You know, what does it mean to be the VP of Marketing for one of the most successful tech companies on the planet?
2: Wow. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Easy question to start off. All right. Um, well, so I think that you know for my my day to day is is incredibly varied um, because there's just so much that we have to think about and do and so much has changed over the course of the years I mean there's uh, when we started, I think the, the the primary focus for me was was really on building the brand and kind of Thinking about what is the what is the narrative, what is the story, what is the voice of Evernote? Those are the things that I particularly care about. Um, and over the you know over the years, things have grown and changed significantly. We're now a global company. We've got offices in something like ten different countries. We have users everywhere. Um, the needs are different. The the sort of education that's required around our product has has evolved and changed. Um, and thinking about user growth, thinking about user retention, thinking about uh, user education, thinking about how to, how to best uh, m- sort of make Evernote as understandable and as useful to people on every possible device, in every possible sort of corner of the world, and in every possible sort of work-related use case that they can imagine. So that's my day-to-day, is, is uh, sort of dealing with some aspect of that. Um, and it's, uh, it's pretty exciting.
1: So what do you use? I mean, with Evernote, essentially, as you mentioned, being this this tool, I mean, a, a suite of apps that are meant to connect us, you know, keep us focused, organized, make us smarter anywhere, everywhere, on any device. That's, all, that's a big goal. What do you do to keep yourself focused? I mean, what's the mission, I guess, at its core that you go... As long as I'm doing this, I'm accomplishing the right thing in a day. Because I'd imagine that gets overwhelming
2: it it's it's so it's so it's so interesting to sort of think about the the evolution of of that sort of line of thinking so when we when we started uh when we thought about evernote um you know thinking not just thinking about myself but thinking about the company in general so when we thought about evernote, it was a kind of a solution for anything in a way it's it's sort of this very loose framework of of uh, features and tools that you can use uh and everybody kind of makes it their own and so what we found was that our users were using it in all sorts of ways, right? There's like, there's no, there was no, um, I would say, kind of use case that was central to an Evernote user. What there was was this kind of so it's this thread that ran through everybody's use of Evernote, which was about being more productive, getting work done, being being just a, their their best selves. Uh, and when we would talk about Evernote, it was always about remember everything. It was always about the biggest sort of way of defining the product. But what happened over you know, as we sort of evolved and as we understood the way that people used it was that there was sort of a gravity towards uh, towards work-related uses, not solely work, but work became sort of a a very frequent use of, of, of the product. So uh, the majority of our users use Evernote at work to help them achieve things. And that became sort of that realization changed how we started internally thinking about the product and also how you know, as, as a marketing organization, we think about the product where we want to really encourage people to think about work in a new way, uh, to really transition away from old tools to start really thinking about Evernote as as the way that a modern person gets their work done and ultimately also sort of achieves their life's work because of the way that Evernote is sort of your, your personal history of achievement. Uh, it's really an amazing tool to sort of See how you evolve as a person, and see how your work evolves as a person, and also see how you've been able to achieve and, and step forward uh, through through your
1: life. I almost think of it as like outsourcing my brain. Sometimes, you know, like sure. it, it's it's a it's a secondary brain. It's my hard drive backup almost.
2: Yeah, it's really cool how how it is. Uh, you know, it kind of makes. People kind of superhuman in a certain in a certain sense, where we we this was this was actually the sort of the driving idea at the very outset of Evernote. The driving idea that that, our, that Phil Libin, uh, our CEO, had was was this idea that you know we are not going to be able to handle the amount of information that's going to come at us. That was sort of this 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 core insight in two thousand seven. Uh, that the world was about to change. We were sort of just starting to see things differently at that time. That was, you know, kind of smartphone, but still we're still talking about, you know, BlackBerry and kind of keyboard-based smartphones, um, still kind of feature phone, like you're still talking flip phones at the time. But there was clearly this thing that was about to happen. Um, It wasn't clear to everybody, but it was certainly clear to Phil. And that, you know, there was a need for, for augmenting our brains. We needed a way to to remember more, to do more, to be more productive, um, and the ways that we were going to do that was was to give people technology that could sort of be with them always, and that's Evernote.
1: You know, as we talk about it, and as I think about, I mean, what, where, when did you come in in the business? What like number employee? I mean, I know you're considered a co-founder. What does that mean exactly?
2: Uh, I think I was like. I don't know, probably like fifteen or something like that. Okay. Uh, yeah, I came in I, in 2007. There, there was there was sort of a, a two teams came together, uh, and I was part of one team that came actually from Boston uh, with Phil and, and our CTO and some others.
1: So I'm really interested in what that's like, and, and you know, to start there, what your vision was then, what it's turned into, and how that feels to walk into a company, walk into an office every day, knowing you know I don't even know 50 million plus people use the product that I've helped grow and our company's worth billions of dollars and I and I'm assuming this have equity in that company and people who depend on me what does that feel like
2: uh it's crazy it's great <laughs> i mean it's really cool because you know i think when you're when you're starting out um Everybody that has a startup kind of deals with the with the same with the same thing. I was actually I don't know if you listened to the startup podcast, but I was listening to it the other day, and there was this really great kind of moment. There's this line that that one of the co-founders of of the the show that they're focusing on right now, Dating Ring, was talking about how the transition or the, or the the wishful transition that people will go from like you telling them the name of your company and them looking puzzled mm-hmm. to them you telling them <laughs> the name of your their company and them being excited about it, and that's. That's exactly what, what you know, I remember going through. And that's what every startup person, founder, whatever goes through is that moment of, you know, you're at a party and you're saying the name of your company to someone and the number of people around you that know that name gradually increases. And there's, it's incredible, it's just like an incredible feeling to know that that's happening because I remember not, you know, no one knowing who we were uh, and feeling like the impact that we were, were making was this like hypothetical future impact, right? We kind of had a vision for what we wanted to do, but we didn't know anybody that we were impacting in that way. And then, you know, over time it changed where, where all of a sudden we started actually hearing these amazing stories of people whose lives were sort of made better by the thing that we were doing and that were grateful for, to us and that we would go to some conference and like people would run up and hug me <laughs> for, for, for Evernote. And I'm like, this is crazy. Um, and, and that transition is, is an amazing one that happens. Um, uh, you know, I, I feel really fortunate to have been part of a company and to continue to be part of a company that, that is having such an important, such an important impact on people's lives to help them actually like do the stuff that they want to do in the best possible way.
1: What do you think it's done to you personally and your mentality, your psyche almost, you know, your ego, and I don't mean in a bad way. I just mean, you know, an ego, like is, what effect has it had given the, I mean, it's, it's not the same as winning the lottery because that's pure chance. And this is hard work. I believe me. I know I've worked for a startup for four years, but I just wonder, like you just wake up and go, Oh my God, like I can buy anything I want, or I'm impacting the world in such a massive way. How, I just want to know, how does that affect your, your brain? Uh,
2: It's, it's a really, I mean, it's, you know, the thing, the thing about it is that you're, when you're doing it, it's sort of like, you know, making the sausage, you're not really even aware of a lot of the time you don't end up stepping back and actually seeing the, the impact that your, your work is having. And that's, and that's one of the hardest things is uh, to be in an environment like this, to feel Um, internally, like there's always, there's always sort of the next, the next goal, the next thing that we have to do. There's always, there's always, you know, it's, it's, it's work and it's hard work and there's always more to do. And then allowing yourself the opportunity to sort of step back for a second and actually kind of be reflective and look at the things that you've done uh, and that we've done as a company and the, and as a team. And, Saying, "Oh, this is crazy! Like again, this is this is insane that 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 we are in this like super super small group of companies that have dr- had a dramatic impact on technology that have helped people uh, get their work done that have actually sort of led in defining what productivity is." Uh, and sometimes you you forget about that because on a day to day basis you 're just you 're just working you 're just trying to get the next thing done, and in some ways, it feels like nothing has ever changed because you know eight years ago I was working on some project, and today i 'm working on some project, and mm-hmm. you know I might be writing a blog post today, and I was writing a blog post eight years ago, but the 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 size and the scope and the impact of everything we 're doing is different and I think that that is an incredibly rewarding uh feeling to know that. That that's possible, and I think that when when people come to Silicon Valley or whenever people start companies wherever they may be anywhere in the world, they are trying to do this, right? They're trying Mm -hmm. to make something like this happen, and there's not there's not a clear you know there's not a rule book for this, right? Because uh, there's there's a ton of luck. That that plays into any company. There's a ton of, uh, you know, having the right team, having the right people, having the right know-how, uh, making the right decisions, choosing, you know, working with the right investors, working with the right partners, all of that stuff, and it comes together. And, you know, even when you have all of those things, it still doesn't necessarily work out. So, mm. um, I think I think there's a, It's a really humbling. Uh, feeling to to be to to be part of something like this and to be part of something that that is that has grown and has been successful. And at the same time, knowing that, you know, one thing different and who knows?
1: Hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned something there. I didn't plan on asking this. It didn't even occur to me till just then. But and I'm assuming you guys are located in San Francisco.
2: We're in Redwood City, so okay. we've we've actually moved up and down the 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 sort of the bay in the Bay Area, we've okay. been in different places. Yeah,
1: close enough, right? So the center yep. of the world, essentially, right now, and it's I mean my the the founder of the nonprofit that I work at, he moved to San Francisco because he said, you know, I want to be in it. He's been an entrepreneur forever. He worked at SpaceX with Elon Musk, and he kind of talks about this this tipping point he feels the market is at there there's just money flying everywhere everyone wants to start the next hot tech startup and like you mentioned Evernote is in this elite class with the Facebooks Googles Apple you know Twitter I mean it's it's Dropbox it's just this group you can think of what do you see from your perch as one of these companies is happening in Silicon Valley in the tech industry and the startup world,
2: I think the thing that's happening honestly is that it's not about Silicon Valley as much as it used to be um, and I think that's a really exciting shift that's going on is that there's a lot of really great ideas and great products and great companies coming out of all sorts of different places and all sorts of and all in all these different countries We're seeing a lot of amazing stuff happening in in China and Japan and in India, we're seeing great things happening in the U.S. and in Portland and other cities that are not that are not, you know, only uh, in Silicon Valley. So I think that's that's an exciting thing, because I don't think uh, I don't think it needs to only be in one place, or at least I, I I would like for it not to be only in one place, because I think one of the things that ends up happening is that uh, Silicon Valley and, and San Francisco in general are, you know, it's 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 this. Locus of all of these people, and the conversations are always this kind of the same conversations. There's a lot of really interesting ideas, and there's a lot of really interesting stuff happening. But it's over time, especially the longer you're here, it's like it's the swirl, right? So people like go from one company to another company and back to the, the first company, and they're sort of like the 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 thing that you want is you want an infusion of new ways of thinking, new ways of seeing the world, and also. Uh, allowing sort of the, the cultural differences and, and the ways that people, the changes that people are, how people work and how people experience life to impact where technology moves. And I think that's, that's the big change that we're seeing right now is that it's not only here. Um, and that's a really positive thing. Um, so that there's there's a much more of sort of a global view on startup culture, on technology, on innovation, um, and we've been re- that's been very apparent to us because we uh, because of these offices that we have in different countries, because of the work that we've done uh, in developing sort of communities around the world in Japan and China, uh, in Brazil and other places. We see all of this really really exciting stuff happening, and it's been very inspiring to us.
1: All right, let's take a break here for a message from one of our sponsors, Linda.com, who is simply out there to help you get smarter. That's why we love them. That's why they support the show. Why don't you challenge yourself to learn something new? Go ahead. You get a free 10-day trial to lynda.com, which is used by millions of people around the world and has over 3,000 courses on topics like web development, photography, visual design, and business, as well as software training like Excel, WordPress, Photoshop, etc. All of their courses are taught by experts, and new courses are added every week. Whether you want to set new financial goals, find work-life balance, invest in a new hobby, or improve upon your current job skills, lynda.com has something for everyone. Sign up for your free 10-day trial today by visiting lynda.com slash Here's what you'll get. Unlimited access to every single course on lynda.com. Access to view tutorials on tablets and iPhone, plus Android mobile devices. And access to new courses that are added every week. Some of the courses I've tried, I really recommend our business writing fundamentals and getting things done. Both of these are things that I feel like we incorporate every day in our lives, whether we're entrepreneurs or working for the man, we got to know how to write and we got to know how to get things done. So why not head on over to lynda.com slash smart people, sign up for your free 10 day trial and give it a shot. Again, that's lynda.com slash smart people. Let's get back to the show. As the startup turned mogul, tell us about the early days of Evernote. What were some of the struggles? Because a lot of people do see what you've turned into and oftentimes maybe miss the hard work, the sacrifice, and specifically the uncertainty. Can you recall a few times where you were just going, what the hell are we doing? What am I doing?
2: Uh, yeah, I, I think it's funny. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm... It's funny to even think of of, of those of those early days. Um, we we actually just celebrated uh, our sort of seventh anniversary since launching the service just just uh, a, few, a few days ago, and part of that we uh, we were having our company all hands, and uh, I was showing some videos of stuff that I was doing really early on, like first. Year we were doing a lot of social media giveaways and things, which we don't do as much anymore. Primarily because there's just, you know, we're still a fairly lean team, and and you have to focus on different things. But at the time, and and I I encourage people to take a look at this on on YouTube. It's under the the Evernote Andrew account. Um, we were doing these crazy giveaways with like leaf blowers and bingo balls <laughs> and plinko boards, and it was just like we were just having a lot of fun, um, but also. There was something too, that, that nobody nobody outside the company would ever know. Um, we spent a lot of time thinking about how to be authentic in these giveaways because we really wanted, even though we were having these 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 sort of dumb giveaways, we wanted to make sure that it, everybody was given an honest shot at winning, so we would we would We created these scripts that would pull all the hashtags from Twitter and then we would print them out, all the names, and then we would cut them up and we would put them into these uh, Rubbermaid containers that a a leaf blower was going to shoot into and then the the names would shoot into the air in the room and all all this stuff. I mean, it's it's really kind (laughs) of funny. But for us, that was important because it was like, you know, even though we're just doing a giveaway, we still – the, the authenticity and the transparency was really important to us. It's giveaway, but it's a representation of the company. And so we wanted to be transparent in how we were doing these things so that everybody had a fair shot because Evernote is a very transparent company and Evernote is a trustworthy company. And so how do we make the giveaways fit into that too? Um, some of that stuff is just like, it's really fun to look at. And I just remember how much... Time we spent actually like agonizing about how to do a giveaway in mm-hmm. in a way that was going to be real, uh, so that's that's sort of the funny things. But there's there is a lot of I mean there's it's kind of well documented. Phil has talked about this a bunch about how we were we were about to shut down because uh, we had no money, and then this investor came in uh, and gave us sort of a bridge loan to when we were going to close our first uh, major round with with an institutional investor. Um, There's been a lot of ups and downs uh, and, you know, you kind of forget about that stuff. But it's it's pretty amazing. Uh, Again, just going back to what we were saying earlier, like it's it's there's so much luck and there's so much fortune in all of this stuff. Um, You can never you can never assume anything's going to work out perfectly. um, And it never does. There's always there's always a crazy story here and there.
1: Well, that's what makes it fun, I guess. You know, looking back, and this is kind of the last question I'll ask regarding the beginning of Evernote, because I want to talk about productivity and what you guys see and the trends and how to use it. It's just a fantastic platform. But I have to ask, when you looked at what your goals were from those early days, could you envision what it would become? Or was that just too daunting and almost too scary? You know, if you, if you think too large, sometimes it prevents small wins.
2: I think the the thing that we really could not have anticipated, and it's sort of interesting. This this may actually kind of segue into into the next question that you would ask about productivity. Is uh, we are not productivity people. Um, the The founders of this the, the the founding team of this company was really trying to solve a. Uh, a specific problem that we we were seeing, but we weren't looking at it through the lens of productivity. We were sort of just, we were seeing this as, how can we solve this information overload issue that people are gonna have? And what is the tool that we can build that allows people to deal with that information overload in the right ways. You know, you're going to have tons of stuff happening on your phone. It's going to be, you're going to see web pages that you're going to want to save. You're going to have emails that you're going to want to save. You're going to have all this information and thoughts in your head. You're going to want to share them. You're going to want to work with people. All of that stuff was sort of built around, you know, all those things were, were inputs into how Evernote should be. And then that's what we were trying to solve. And so, and then when when we started seeing things like GTD and we started hearing about how Evernote was being used in this group or in this particular way or, or you know, companies were running on Evernote, we were, frankly, kind of surprised because, we you know, we'd never heard of GTD. We didn't know what that was and we had to learn about what GTD was and people are telling us that Evernote's an amazing GTD tool and we're thinking, what, what the heck's GTD? Um, and, and a lot of that stuff has been sort of interesting in how... The evolution of a product can happen where some people start – from the start, they're like, I'm going to build the next great, you know, to-do list manager or whatever it is. And we were thinking we're going to change how people deal with information. And that was a pretty – you know, and then when you look back on it, that's a pretty interesting thing where you're like, we didn't build from the start a productivity tool but we've built an amazing productivity tool.
1: <laughs> right. I guess that's the, you know, the typical uh, pivot almost, if you will. Accidental pivot.
2: Right, exactly. It's definitely, I mean, we have never shifted in what we do and how we do it. But I think the, the understanding, sort of the world's understanding, and through the lens of, of our users, we have sort of shifted how we think about our product. So we never, we, we're not building like I said, we're not building a productivity tool from the outset, but we're certainly a productivity tool today.
1: Well, and you mentioned, you know, you guys, none of the founders were kind of productivity people. I read that when you left Core Street, which is where you were before Evernote, you were determined to work on something that resonated with you personally. And you found that in Evernote. What was it that intrigued you about what was happening in Evernote and the goals of the company?
2: Well, so, uh, boy, Core Street. So Core Street was uh, a, we were building sort of the uh, uh, infrastructure for smart card ID programs. So it was like uh, tons of sort of cryptography-based stuff that, uh, you know, our customers were, let's say, banks and governments. And so there were, you know, 10 customers in the world. And those customers were certainly not us. As individuals, we were we were never going to be issued a government ID card, at least at least not not in our line of work. And so, um, you know, I was running marketing there, and, and we were we were trying to figure out innovative ways to talk about our product. But ultimately, what we realized, and this is a few of us that that ended up uh, coming over here uh, to Evernote, was that um, that wasn't we we couldn't get particularly like passionate about that. Uh, we knew that we were solving a problem, but we weren't passionate about the problem. And uh, the difference with Evernote was that from the outset, we were all struggling with something, and we were all we could we could all kind of see this thing looming. And that was a really exciting opportunity to say: not only do we kind of understand technologically how something can be solved, but we want this thing to be solved. We want to 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 be a part of this of this sort of changing world. We want to help people and ourselves, you know, be better in 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 a in, in a number of different ways. So that was a very that was sort of the shift that happened in those early days.
1: Mm. And I also read that you graduated with your undergrad degree in psychology. And I love hearing that for a number of reasons. One is it proves you don't have to get a computer science degree or business degree to go on and crush it. But two, it's also because I wish I got my degree in psychology if I could go back. It's like the more curious you are about people and understanding the world and how we interact can oftentimes be really relevant in the number of arenas what prompted you to go into psychology
2: uh, boy honestly uh, because I, I I tried to be an environmental scientist and it didn't work out <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I love well it. so I I you know psychology resonated with me really uh, kind of it was when I came into college I thought that I was going to be an econ major I start you know I'd started that didn't like it then I moved into environmental studies um found that to be sort of interesting but not really what I wanted to do and then psychology like it just was great it was exactly kind of what I was interested in specifically kind of cognitive psychology a lot of a lot of sort of understanding the brain um that was that spoke to me um in college I think you know I think a lot of people would say this especially those that go into humanities uh that you know what you're what you're actually getting out of college is ways to think about the world, not necessarily the, the 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 you know the the stuff that you learn from the textbooks. And for me, what what I ended up doing a lot of as part of the psychology training is that uh, you're doing a ton of writing, and writing became this this thing that I've always kind of gravitated towards. So uh, for me, the value that I got out of psychology was actually in sort of the research and the research style writing um, that was really useful when I got into my first job, which was at Core Street, uh, to write things like white papers for for really technical, um, sort of these technical implementations of of security infrastructures. And then ultimately learning how to write in various ways, whether it be press releases and other things so that I could uh, then at Evernote, write in a more conversational way, but have all of the sort of the skills from 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 the more technical writing all the way through to sort of very friendly blog writing. So um, for me, psychology was always, uh, it felt like it allowed me to understand some aspect of how people think, but fundamentally, it was really useful because it's the skills that I, it helped me build the skills that I use every single day.
0: And now a word from one of this week's sponsors... We are sponsored once again by Igloo. Thank you so much Igloo for supporting Smart People Podcast. Listen up everyone, you really do need to check out Igloo. Igloo is an intranet you'll actually like. It's a cloud platform that can help you do your best work. Share files, blog updates, coordinate calendars, and manage projects. Everything you need to do within your team you can do on Igloo. It's easy to use and easy to configure, even for the most non-technical of users. And it's built using responsive design, which means that everything you can do at your desk, you can now do on the go on your phone or tablet. The responsive design is meant to look great on all your devices. Whether you're a large enterprise stuck using SharePoint or a fast-growing business overwhelmed by apps, create an intranet that matches your brand's look and feel, simplifies how you work, and is accessible on your phone. Check it out today. Chris and I use it for Smart People Podcast. And it's absolutely fantastic to have all our files in one place, all the information that we need. It sits within our own personal intranet. It's amazing not having to rifle through emails or f- files and folders cluttered on different computers. Give Igloo a shot and see what it can do for you. Sign up now and try it out for free at igloosoftware.com smartpeople smart people. That's igloosoftware.com slash smart people sign up today and invite up to 10 of your favorite coworkers to try it with you. And now back to the show.
1: I appreciate that. I have so many ways it could go, but given time constraints, I really want to make sure we leave enough time so that when people leave, they're not only, you know, excited and ready to to use Evernote, but ready to just integrate some practices into their life, into their business that help them with information overload, stress, productivity, etc. So, Let's jump into kind of first, what are some of the trends you're seeing in the workplace, in, you know, our personal lives with productivity that um, that that's really driving things forward and driving whatever note is trying to do?
2: One of the things that that we here have realized, and it's pretty important for, I think, where work is generally headed, is the this need like to to. Move away from uh, the paper metaphor on a screen, um, and this is this is sort of a, a, a pervasive thing that, that is kind of true throughout a lot of office productivity tools that that's, that span uh, like writing apps to presentation apps and even to email. That you know, in like 1983, I think that's the actual date. So thirty something years ago, uh, Office launched. And when they launched, there was a clear need to to sort of drag people kind of kicking and screaming from the physical world into digital. And the way that they did that was exactly in the right way, which was to make things comfortable, make things understandable. Um, You know, you're used to writing on paper. On your screen, you see a piece of paper. Don't worry about uh, any kind of fancy, you know, uh, uh, typesetting. It's all WYSIWYG. It's easy to use. Now... The thing is that we are still doing that stuff like we are still to this day spending time like fiddling with margins and caring about line line spacing and worrying about how to how to give a presentation effectively by spending time sort of in that format of the slide uh, where all of those metaphors like literally every single one of those metaphors are almost like nonsensical to a new a new person entering the workforce like what the heck is a slide right like it's not it's not a thing like it's it doesn't even nobody even knows what that means and yet we are still sort of tied down to these ideas that are actually that constrain how we think and constrain how we work and make us in many ways kind of dumber uh, and so what the 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 the, the future as we see it is one where let's just take words the words that you write are going to go from your head to your hands and onto a screen And then that screen is going to change shape, it's going to change size, it's going to go from a laptop to a mobile device to a projector to a whatever. And at no time is there ever actually like a print that's going to happen. There's never going to be the the printing action that is going to happen. There will never be paper that will come out of that. What's going to happen is that you're going to type something, it's going to go into an email, it's going to go into uh, a chat, it's going to go into uh, a web page, a blog post, whatever it is, but it all stays digital. So a lot of these physical metaphors are actually constraining something that no longer needs to be constrained in that way. So the minute that we kind of get away from thinking about things in physical terms, the more free we'll be to sort of really explore what what the possibilities are around things like note-taking, presentations, and all these things.
1: You just blew my mind. I'm serious. I'm thinking about when you said, "like, what is a slide?" I'm going, "Wait a second. That's a good question."
2: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, who remembers? Like, we know what they're. We know what we're talking about, right? Like, we've seen Mad Men, so right. we know what we know. What we know what slides are, but they're but they're like crazy old ideas. And then even if you go like you know, transparencies and stuff. Like, I remember transparencies. Yes, from,
1: that's what from, the first thing that popped up in my mind. Yeah, stuff.
2: but. It's done. Like it's it's been done forever. And yet we are still like looking at uh, a rectangle on a white rectangle that has a drop shadow that's like on a sort of like slightly darker background on our screen to make us feel somewhat comfortable about like what we're typing. in. that stuff is old. Like unless you're unless you're planning a garage sale, you do not need to use these types of products.
1: There's such a better way to get a point across or information across in some type of presentation, but I don't know what that is. What what would that be? Or what will it be?
2: Well, so when we think about presentations, I think, you know, just just in most companies, in most companies, the majority of presentations are actually sort of like team meetings. So it's, it's they're not uh, pitches. They're not pitches to clients. I mean, that is a part of what a presentation is. But frequently... It's, it's actually a team coming together to say, hey, like, let's just check in on how things are going. So what is the most effective use of people's time when it comes to that type of a, a situation? Well, the worst use of time is to spend almost equal amount of time to the meeting preparing a presentation for your team. Because the last thing that you should be judged on is the quality of your font choices or yes. the quality of, like, the, the colors of your, you know, pie chart that's wrong. Uh, But that's all tied to sort of old ways of thinking. What you should be doing is you should be working because you're, you know, ostensibly working on something important. And when you're preparing to get into the meeting, like the time between you finishing what you're working on and you presenting it to your team should be roughly the amount of time it takes for like everybody to enter the room. And so – that's how we think about the world. So in Evernote, we built this thing called presentation mode, which is a really like it's a really innovative idea in that it just takes your work, whatever you're working on, and in Evernote, a note, and with you, you click one button and it just transforms it into a presentation that just shows up on a screen. We don't have ideas of page breaks, we have ideas of screen breaks, because what's important, it's not how many pages it is, but how many screens it's gonna show up on. And it just formats it well. Uh, you don 't have that much control over you know where exactly you know your your different elements will go, but that 's not the point. The point is that you 're showing the information that you 've just worked on to your team. they can respond to it, and the last thing that makes this really interesting is that you as the creator can continue to edit as you're as you 're presenting so someone says something interesting they have an insight they say like oh i don 't think that 's right, I think this is wrong. You can actually be editing the presentation as it goes most presentations that we've had historically are dead they're 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 dead like you've 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 saved the file and in order to make edits you have to leave the presentation in order to sort of make those edits and so you're actually presenting you're talking at your audience not with your audience mm. and that's that's one of the big that's one of the big shifts that needs to happen is that meetings suck they have to get better and one of the ways that they're going to get better is that they sort of respect all participants not just the presenter, but also the people that are, that are, that are listening. And how do you create a very a good environment where people are able to transition from working to presenting to getting feedback really easily?
1: Yeah, it's like cutting out all the, the middle junk. And I think about that too. Like formatting specifically, you know, is just, it, it, I guess for detail-oriented people, they enjoy it. But myself, I'm like, they're going to get the information. I want to just go talk to them. <laughs> but there's, but there's like this, you know. One of the
2: things that bugs me when I look at how people present frequently is that they're putting way too much information on slides, mm-hmm. uh, and it's because there's not really a good idea of like how to how to put information into this format because the format is is, is locked, uh, and you often have like just like tons of data, tons of stuff in each slide. And they're not useful at that point. Like at this point, you might as well just just you know send them an email or put or like giving them a link to to your research rather than putting that into the slide. Um, and formatting is is a challenge for a lot of people because they they think that I've got to put it all in here, uh, but it's it probably isn't actually what you should be doing.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that was a great one. Now I really want to know um, what are some other things, some some really big issues that you guys are seeing. And, and mostly you're seeing it because consumers are using Evernote to deal with it. So what are you seeing and how does Evernote solve those problems for people that don't use it or even people like myself who use it but definitely don't use it to its full capabilities? Give me some help here.
2: I think, you know, one of the things that we're, we're really we're exploring. So I think one of the areas that you're going to see a ton of kind of evolution and growth is in how people do mobile work. Um, there's, uh, one of the things that makes Evernote kind of historically unique these days, it kind of feels like table stakes, but when we started, it was a pretty cool thing that we did, which was synchronization across a bunch of different platforms. And, uh, we have developed really full featured mobile apps. And what we're seeing in a lot of different countries, is that the phone is the sort of the the device right it's it becomes your your sole computing device is your phone and a lot of that's you know that's been reported you know across you know everybody knows that this is happening that 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 you know not everybody's going to have computers in the long term especially in developing countries that like android phones are sort of taking over there but in that i think frequently people talk about this as you know a phone being a communication device but it's for a lot of people, it is the communication device. It's the work device as well. And so what does it mean for, for people to be using Evernote as the way to uh, collect information, to create information, to share information, and to ultimately do work effectively um, is this big kind of interesting question that we're, 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 we're trying to answer. And we've, we we're used across the world by our users in exactly this way. And so it's kind of interesting to get their feedback to understand exactly what the differences are. One of the cool things like, this is not specific to, uh, to uh, developing countries, but Evernote is really great at some simple things. Like you can take a, a photo of something and then share that photo with someone else and they can sort of see the photo and they can with it, all within Evernote add some comments to it. Uh, and we're seeing this as being a great tool for people that do like field inspection. Um, mm-hmm. If you're out, if you're out in the field, and you see, and you're doing like insurance claims or you're doing whatever you may be doing, taking a photo as the claim person who's out in the field, having your supervisor see immediately what the things are, what what the what what the issues are, being able to write, uh, right next to you know put some copy right next to the the image, uh, is super useful. And when we ask them what they were doing before, it's like a hodgepodge of craziness and then they get they're like yeah but evernote i just take a photo and everybody sees it hmm. so it's it's actually identifying these new ways of people mobile mobile work and how that's going to be in the future and how evernote can help people achieve that
1: well you know i definitely want to tell the listeners my my favorite thing that evernote has ever done for me and the thing that i use the most is the evernote clipper on the you know on the on my browser on google yeah, chrome that thing's great it changed my life because i'm one of those guys that has as everyone can imagine, 50 tabs open. They're all articles that I want to read. I keep them up there because I'm not going to bookmark, you know, and John actually, the, the, um, co-host of the show, who's not on, unfortunately, he's my tech go-to. He was like, dude, I'll solve your problem. Evernote Clipper. And I tried pocket. I've tried some other things and they work, but that's my favorite like part of Evernote. What's the one that you use the most or that you like the best?
2: Uh, I'm kind of with you, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the Web Clipper is amazing. I think Web Clipper is one of the most useful, uh, most useful sort of things that we've built. Um, I love. I use it all the time. Uh, it's the way that I capture kind of everything from research to personal things like like recipes and stuff like that. Um, it's just really well considered, and it's sort of out of your way, but. The idea here is, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's sort of interesting, like even the evolution of the Web Clipper. Uh, the Web Clipper is kind of the, the modern way to think about almost like the print button on a web browser. So, web, you know, people frequently would print a web page historically, which sort of seems silly these days. But they would print a, a web page in order to have it because one of the concerns that they would have is that, well, it's going to go away or something's going to change. And this is my ability to create a snapshot. And what we have done effectively through the Web Clipper is eliminate the need for a browser to ever even have a print button because now you have the snapshot, you have exactly what you want, and it's in Evernote, which means that you're going to be able to access it across all your devices. So that's, that feature has been super, super useful. I, I love the Web Clipper.
1: Yeah. And I, I love what you said about research is that's what, like, I write blog posts as you do. I don't write nearly as many, nor do they get read by nearly as many, but, um, but I'll be like, oh, that's an idea that I've had. That's a a good piece of information that I can incorporate. And I'll just boom clip, you know, the category is my blog and that's it. I mean, it's genius, you know? Andrew, I really appreciate your time on the show, taking away from running this massive company. Before you go, I wanted to see, you know, what lasting, uh, you know, things would you like to leave with our listeners, whether it be places to go, things to learn about Evernote, uh, where you write, anything that you kind of want them to know, and as I mentioned in the intro and outro, we'll kind of be talking a little bit more about Evernote as well.
2: Definitely check out the Evernote blog. Uh, we do a ton of content there, from tips on using Evernote to general productivity things that are happening in the industry, um, to user stories, partners, all that kind of stuff. There's a really a lot of great stuff there. Uh, check out our uh, integrations. We do a we have a really interesting uh, partnerships with companies like uh, Ift and uh, Expensify and a bunch of others that make Evernote even bigger and better. Uh, so I would definitely recommend those, those two things.
1: I need to look at the one with Expensify because recently, I mean, my expense, you know, reimbursement stuff is getting out of control.
2: Oh yeah. It's so easy. You just like, you tag your, your note in Evernote with Expensify and sort of magic
1: starts happening. Oh my gosh. I love it. And that's the beauty of Evernote. All right, Andrew, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And thanks for what you guys are doing at Evernote. You're making all our lives easier. Thanks for having me. All right. Have a great day.
0: Welcome back. Hope you all enjoyed that episode with Andrew Sinkoff. I absolutely love Evernote. It is one of my favorite tools to use on my computer, on my phone. It just helps me keep my life together. I know you heard Chris talk about how much he loves it, but I have to let you know a couple of the things that I love about it. Both my girlfriend and I actually are able to share notes with each other, and have an updated grocery list at all times. It sounds like it's not a big deal, but it is. It's changed our life. There are times that I'm not around when she's getting ready to go to the grocery store and she'll just shoot me a text and say, hey, add whatever you want to our Evernote grocery list and I'll I'll pick it up. It honestly couldn't be easier. Chris and I love Evernote and we wanna hear how you love Evernote. Tweet about the episode. Let us know how you use Evernote in your daily life. And as Chris mentioned, we're giving away three premium Evernote subscriptions. All you have to do is head over to smartpeoplepodcast.com, sign up for the newsletter, and on Friday, July 31st, you will get detailed instructions of how to enter the Evernote contest. Thanks for checking out the show. And if this is the first episode of Smart People Podcast that you've listened to, welcome. We love having you here. Please make sure you head over to smartpeoplepodcast.com to check out all the past episodes. And if you need to reach out to the show, shoot us an email at smartpeoplepodcast at gmail.com or fire off a message on Twitter at smartpeoplepod. If you're looking for a simple way to support the show, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher and leave a rating and review over there. That really does help out the show. I know I say it week after week after week. But honestly, it's one of the smallest things that you as a listener can do to help us out. And we truly, truly appreciate it. That's it for me. Make sure you subscribe. Stay tuned to All Things Smart People Podcast. And we'll see you all next week.